All right, this is the A. I'm Reg Clay. And Norman G. This is the A, where we talk about life in the theater and the theater of life. We have a fantastic actor. I've shared the stage with him a couple of times. Don Hardwick, actor, um, director, and uh, producer. producer. That's right. Uh, and you're affiliated with uh, the Playwrights um, Foundation. Playwrights Center. Center. I'm sorry about that. Playwrights Center. How are you doing, Don? I'm doing great. Yeah, it's a wonderful Saturday morning, June the 2nd. Boy, it's summer. I mean, it's <laughs> <just the laughs> it happens, yeah. And you it can, feels like it, doesn't it? It feels yeah. like summer. Yeah, yeah, it does. Well, and we only have winter and, and summer here, so. That's know. right. Mm-hmm. That's the wonders of the Bay. I never want to shovel snow ever again. I'm from. I'm originally from the East Coast, so I've, I've had my share of snow. I, I guess we get we get spring and summer. Yeah, yeah I, I would love to visit and and shovel for a couple of days and, and just be done. <laughs> right, I remember when I was a kid. Or maybe just once, shovel yeah. once and be done. My kid, my dad would uh, have me go out to like other neighbors and say, "Hey, you're going to shovel that person's uh, walkway or whatever." And I'm like, God, why do I have to do that? It's like, just go ahead and do it. You know, it's it's, it's a sign of good for, because if you're on the East Coast and you have snow and you don't shovel your walkways you can be fine you can be sued especially if someone gets hurt yeah anyway well if i got hurt you know, <laughs> he definitely sue somebody. you yeah. right right exactly <laughs> nobody needs that norman how's your week i guess it's good you know it's weird the show scapegoat opened yes so i'm doing fantastic. i directed scapegoat as part of the new works festival with playground and um we opened week ago wednesday and because we're part of a repertory, there's another new play, um, Bright Shining Sea, which is going up in a couple hours, I think. Um, so there's Bright Shining Sea, there's Scapegoat, and then there's uh, Best of Playground. So there's just all this stuff that's going on at the Potrero stage right now. Um, but it means for the actors, they performed, and then they didn't perform for 10 days. So we had a pickup rehearsal this week. And I say, we, normally when the show is open, I'm done. But this time I was like, no, because it's a workshop, we're still in process with the playwright. We got to come back in and actually make some more adjustments. I'm going to see it on Sunday. Uh, I'll go to the Sunday matinee. And mm-hmm. I'm looking forward to seeing how the show is evolving now. I'm like, I, I, my hands, I am free of this. And mm-hmm. now it is its own entity. It's like a child sent off in the world and... Eighteen, you're not my responsibility yeah. anymore. You know, you had said that it had opened just a couple. It opened about a month ago, didn't no, it? No, it opened a week ago Wednesday. Okay, because I'm looking at the, the website. Third, I think. Yeah, I'm looking at the website. It says May 21st through June 17th. So. Well, that's it's the whole festival. So. Oh, I oh, see. Oh, and no, the 21st we had um, we had two previews. Got it. Okay, that's right. what it is. Yeah. yeah, yeah. The festival, best of playground, bright shining sea stage readings. Yeah. And state code, yeah. Playground is a wonderful place. It's a place where people can just um, – is it for anyone who has new works or whatever? Or well, is what it they do is every year they ask for submissions, the mm-hmm. writers submit, and then they pick a cadre of writers. Um, and then every – each month there's a new theme that is sent out to the writers. If you got something, you submit. So it's only that group of people that are submitting. And then from that they pull six pieces, and those six pieces are given a staged reading. Mm-hmm. Um, it's the third Monday of the month at uh, Berkeley Rep. Okay. And that's during the normal theater season. When you get to this time of the year, it's the end of the season, so now they do best of and they um, commission work. So Scapegoat is one of those plays that came up through the ranks. I saw it when I was an actor with Playground, and it was another (coughs) 
piece that night. It was another short. Mm -hmm. And I thought, wow, I really like that short. And then the next spring I got called. That piece had been picked for commission for a full-length play, and they had done it. And so I got to work with it. And now here we are. It's fully staged, costumes, lights, sound, mm -hmm. projections. Right on. Craziness, superhero battle. It's <laughs> it's, And, oh, uh, yeah, and on Facebook we got a little um, – they made a little uh, trailer – I saw a little bit of that. It was very, very cool. It's very cool, and it's very representational. Mm -hmm. You know, that really is what the show looks like and yeah. feels like. It's so yeah, very excited. But yeah. it really means when you're director and the show gets to this place, you're done. Yep. You, you could die. You know, it doesn't really <laughs> matter. <laughs> it's actually a wonderful thing. It's almost like seeing um, your children, if I can put it that way, out into the world, and you could be proud of what they're doing. Well, I feel like a midwife because yeah. the playwright, it's the that's, playwright's that's right, child. That's exactly right. And that's, so he and I have been emailing back and forth, and I feel like I sound coy. It's like somebody, hey, can we have a second date? And I'm like, well, had a good time. <laughs> but honestly, I think where we're at, and I think it's a luxury that playwrights don't always get. Mm -hmm. You do that production, you make adjustments based on the producer's resources, needs, desires, mm -hmm. vision. Um, but it may not be your vision. Right. And so once that <coughs> is done, you may take away from it that those are some really cool changes that you now want to incorporate into the play. Mm -hmm. Or you may want to go back and look at the play anew with that as sort of suggestions mm -hmm. of ways that you can fix maybe some problems or make things pop mm -hmm. a little bit more. Yeah. Don, do you do you often work with new playwrights? That's that's what I do the most these mm -hmm. days. Yeah. You know, you, you think I, you know, being the, the singer actor that I am, that mm -hmm. I would spend most of my time doing musicals, which I do do those. Sure. Mm -hmm. But I, I seem to spend a lot of my time these days developing new works. Yeah. Mm -hmm. or, it, particularly <coughs> through through Playwright Center San Francisco. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Do you agree with the analogy of the sort of midwife where you're working with a playwright? Of course, the playwright is has this child, this play, and you know you put it out and they give it to you. Right. To sort of, you know, mesh, mesh it and make it whole. Yeah. Uh, in fact, I've done uh, four Playwright Center. I've directed in – I have just did my sixth 24-hour play fest uh, mm -hmm. uh -huh. where, where we get uh, eight plays that – or six plays that mm -hmm. did – or, yeah, I guess it's eight plays that did not exist 24 hours previous. Wow. And it's and – it's, they are completely staged. Mm -hmm. Right. Uh, Within 24 hours, but but that's what we do. I, what what I do when mm -hmm. I get the play in my hand, yeah. the, the morning that we're going to actually present it, yeah. is I let the the playwright come back in and mm -hmm. sit with the first two reads. Yeah, and then I kick him out. Yeah, we, he makes any tweaks that he wants to do from what he hears, mm -hmm. right? And then I get to surprise him with the end result at right. the oh, end nice. of the night. Yeah, mm -hmm. very, very nice. I was thinking our good friend Scott Munson, he was involved in the 24-hour thing. Does that mm -hmm. name ring a bell? Yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, Scott's fantastic. Well, Colin Hussey also. Is that right? Yeah. Is an actor in it regularly, I think. And he's regularly, yeah. yeah. He's our chief uh, photographer as well. Oh, that's right. Yeah. yeah. He's an amazing What a small world. It's like, you know, like yeah. we have these connections and we have no idea that these connections are well, together. Well, I actually met Colin first. Doing film work. Uh huh. <laughs> oh, yeah. I was uh, there was a thing called the Forty Eight Hour Film Festival, and I've been involved. Colin got me involved in that as well. Huh. Well, we did a couple of projects at uh, uh, Academy of Art University. Mm -hmm. Yeah, mm -hmm. uh, we uh, uh, we did some scene work for for newbie 
sure. film directors. Yeah. And that's and we did a scene together in that. Yeah. And then uh, about a year later, mm-hmm. we filmed uh, a longer, a full production sure. scene mm-hmm. um, from another movie that had been produced. Yeah. And since then, we've been on stage several times. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, it's, it's it's awesome. Like, I know you from the Douglas Morrison Theater, and I know Colin from something completely different. Right. And it's cool that, you know, the two of you know, and that's been happening. Like, I, we this. get people on the yay, and all of a sudden, it's like, oh, yeah, I know that person right. from that production. So it's, it's a wonderful, it's a tapestry. Well, the theater world keeps getting smaller and smaller. So. <laughs> <laughs> that's exactly right. <laughs> so there are some current events. I don't have a long list. Um, the biggest one, well, Roseanne being canceled. <laughs> Gosh, what a shame. Yeah, what a shame, right? <laughs> that poor woman. Well, it's interesting. Now she's saying it's Ambien. I, was, I, was, I have another podcast. Well, yeah, right. Ambien made her do it. Yes, I know. I have, a, I have a faith podcast. We talk about what, you know, like your intent, what your words mean. Right. And uh, it's amazing how people can say things, of course, on Twitter, mm-hmm. and they have no idea what ramifications they have. Right. I'm sure when she put out that tweet, she was like, oh, well, no one's going to pay attention or right. I'll get a rebel rousing whatever. But mm-hmm. she never thought that the, the thing was going to be canceled. It gets, yeah. And hundreds of people have been fired. Well, they're now right. thinking about doing the show again without They keep talking about rebooting Roseanne. it without her, which is amazing. Yeah. Well, Sarah Gilbert was the actually executive producer, right, producer on this, right. so so she, so yeah. she, it may be her taking it off doing something else <coughs> without Roseanne. Right. Sure. Can you have a Roseanne without Roseanne? Yeah. Who knows? <laughs> it, it wouldn't be the first time, and there, I can't think of them, but there have been successful spinoffs. Mm-hmm. They just have, have a different have, name, yeah. Yeah, they have a different name, and, and mm-hmm. you know, yeah, right. they take the good of the cast, and, and it grows. It, it builds. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's possible. We'll yeah. see. I, I think more to the point, though, is, yeah, one, you put this out here. I'm I'm a newbie to Twitter, and so I'm getting used to it. And, in fact, mm-hmm. I'm finally starting to take on the big boys. I woke up this morning realizing I am following the real Donald Trump. And that, yeah, that's the amazing well, thing about Twitter. What's yeah. amazing is mm-hmm. when he says, you know, this is a witch hunt. It's the worst thing that's ever happened to oh, in God. American history. Everybody – and I – so far, du- barely directly comment. I just go in and kind of like what other people are or retweet what other people are responding. Because when he says something like that, it's like, well, let's see. Like the North Korea thing. Um, ten presidents. So instead of you being the guy who's going to fix this, you're just the latest in a long list of presidents who have not been able to deal with this because it's way more <coughs> complicated. Mm-hmm. You know, and et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. It's so wonderful to be able to just go right in and respond. So I'm finally... I'm picking at these – my car only has AM radio. Um, So I'm picking at these AM radio hosts and going, okay, wait a minute, because they just – either they make stupid tweets or their people respond to them with these really stupid tweets. And it's just great to be able to go back in and directly respond with, well, Mm -hmm. uh, facts, for example. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Here's history if you wanted to mention that. You know, that sort of thing. Sure. And it's been – and mm-hmm. I'm like, wow, this is way more satisfying. And then on the other side, I'm getting people following me because I don't just regurgitate what's going on. Mm-hmm. I'm like – like I keep looking up what's going on with Puerto Rico. Mm-hmm. So yeah. I keep looking it up. I find a good story about it, yeah. usually from someplace other than the U.S. because we just aren't covering it. Right. I tweet that. Other people are like, oh, that's right. And then bam, 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 mm-hmm. bam, it starts to, to build. Yeah, and your news has taken on a very interactive 
yeah. um, way. I mean, that's both good and bad because, you know, you get all sorts of stuff. You get good people and bad people interacting. Well, I think it needs to happen because what we've lost is the sort of editorial filter. Mm-hmm. You know, everybody has lost that. Uh, yeah. Most of the media outlets have cut those down or just gotten rid of it. Yeah. And minus that, all they're doing is regurgitating whatever somebody sends to them. Yeah. So it's good to have a few people out there kind of going, hey, mm-hmm. actually <laughs> – Let's let's clarify that. Or, you yeah. know, when you say this, this is like this whole thing with 1,500 missing kids. There are 1,500 kids who came through the system by themselves mm-hmm. and were given to foster families and put in homes and things like oh, that. interesting, yeah. And they are not tracked. Once they are placed, they're not yeah. tracked. Yeah, And so somebody pointed out, well, wait a minute. So you're saying you want the government to track them? Is that what you're saying? No, don't want the government to subtract them. What we want is the government not to be breaking up families of people coming in. It's a different thing. So stop. So anytime somebody sends something like that to me, I'm like, it's not 1,500 kids. Let's not talk about 1,500 kids. Let's keep our focus where it needs to be. Mm-hmm. And it's, again, great to be able to see those voices starting to shift. Yeah. Isn't it interesting? I mean, as far as the media, like, Don, I'm sure you remember the days of Walter Cronkite uh, and um, Peter Jennings. You know, there's like one voice and you trust that voice and you trust that the edit, that he will filter it. There's, there will be the correct news. You didn't challenge what Walter well, Cronkite Walter did. Cronkite, yeah. and, and some may say well, it's either better or it's worse now. What do you think? I say, you know, I heard it on the Internet. It's got to be true. Uh, yeah, right. Uh-huh. <laughs> right. No, I, no, I'm the kind of person. I, I have never initiated a tweet in my life. Mm-hmm. I, I get mm-hmm. Twitter feeds all the time, but okay. I, I have never initiated a tweet. Yeah. I, it, it would scare me to do that because I'm the kind of person who doesn't really say a whole lot. Yeah. But but if I'm in the room with you, mm-hmm. if I say something, yeah, you got to listen to it. Mm-hmm. Because once I say it, it's gone. Uh-huh. Right. And, and I love it that way. Sure. <laughs> if, if it's something you want to retain, that's right. great. Right. But I, I don't want everything that I say to be down to for posterity. A, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. And it's very different from the younger generation or the tweet generation or the right. I've got to say it and I've got to push it and I've got to get likes and I've got to well, generate all this. So yeah. rude. Like, you oh, know, sure, the whole thing right. with Samantha B and the C word. So yeah. a lot of people are putting it out and it's funny because i'm now mm-hmm. getting these right wing feeds mm-hmm. and so i love that the women on the right wing feed are going i totally believe you joe i support what you say except you just said the word again and why did you print that word that is an offensive word it's an offensive word anytime anybody says it and i, I have to like that lady i'm like oh i like you mm-hmm. <laughs> i don't even agree with you politically but yeah mm-hmm. and i feel the same way on the left as soon as you say, well, it's okay for this to happen, but this is bad, I'm like, mm, double standard. And look yeah. at all the memes that have, that have mm-hmm. evolved from the barbecue lady. Oh, oh sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right. That went on. We've been talking about that for a while. But, no, you're absolutely right. The Samantha B. I mean, if you're going to fight evil, you cannot be evil. You cannot right. use the same tactics. Right. It's like, and then two sides are yelling, and if you're independent, you're like, okay, well, both sides are wrong. We have Ro- right, Rose, exactly. Roseanne on the one end and Samantha B on the other. Mm-hmm. I mean, so, you know, handle yourself. Yeah, so, it's, yeah. it's just, it's been wild, and it's wild yeah. to watch. It's funny you bring up the barbecue thing, because that's, um, yesterday, last night was First Friday, and it's the Art Murmur in Oakland, mm-hmm. and Telegraph just gets wild, in a great way, in a wonderful way. It's mm-hmm. 
families and a wonderful mix of people. It yeah. was originally an art murmur. That, like, we tried to go to one of the galleries that yeah. was one of the galleries that started it. Yeah. And it, their roll-down door <clears throat> was, they were like, no, we are not dealing with these crowds because it's turned into a street festival. Mm -hmm. There's food, food, all kinds of drinks, all kinds of crazy T-shirts yeah, yeah. and everything. There was a guy there, he mm -hmm. called himself the Selfie Man. <laughs> okay. And he had created a <laughs> robot suit of uh -huh. just panels of mirrors. Uh -huh. But I mean big ones, you know, like yeah. the size of a tile. Um, and so there was like one on his chest, one where his head would be, his arms were a series of them. And if you came up to him, yeah, all you saw is reflections. He was surrounded by people taking pictures. Mm -hmm. Wow. Isn't that it, sort yeah. of craziness is Yeah, well, on. it's just it's, it's the re people's responding to a bad situation. It's, and it, once again, just like Roseanne, that woman who called the cops on a black couple. Well, and, that's what I was pointing out. Is, yeah. So that has turned into a series of barbecues now. Yeah. At the lake, it yeah. is. It is still happening. People are already planning the next one, mm -hmm. um, and they've already had two. Yeah, it's been a huge thing, and it's the energy. If you go to these things, is incredible. It's so friendly and fun. Yeah. Same thing with the art murmur. Mm -hmm. Even though it's not what it used to be, because mm -hmm. we used to go. I remember Jean Kwan went to one right after she became mayor. Yeah. And some news outlet said that mayor's trying to take advantage of this art thing. I was like, no, no. The mayor was one of the council people who supported this in the first place and helped get it <coughs> into place mm -hmm. before she was mayor. She's been going the whole time, but now that she's mayor, you know, somebody uses it as a chance to slam her. Right. It has grown into this arts festival. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I've got to check it out. Festival, and yeah. it's, it's cool. Mm -hmm. I'm hoping that we can stay positive mm -hmm. and that it will continue as a positive thing. I, I, I think at this point I'm, I'm old enough that I realize you better jump in and enjoy it while you can. Yeah, there's that. There's uh, this, the art festival. There's also First Friday. Do you ever take advantage this of that? This is First Friday. Oh, the, yeah, oh, that's what we're talking about, the same thing. thing. Yeah, yeah. It's, it was originally called the Art Murmur. Okay. And it was held on the First Friday. Got it. It has grown to be this other thing That's now. absolutely right. In okay. fact, the art folks, a lot mm -hmm. of the art folks who were doing it, the, mm -hmm. uh, the galleries now do, I think, a Saturday thing mm -hmm. so that they can sort of get back to because it used to be you could go through these galleries and almost half of them would have like wine and cheese <coughs> mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. you know it was just it was a neat little gallery opening and yeah. now it's now it's a <laughs> it's crazy street else. scene yeah well let's hope it stays culturally relevant and it just doesn't become a hip thing for the hipsters or whatever who knows well it, it's okay if because uh, here's the latest thing that i'd never seen before mm -hmm. at the end of the street at 27 yeah um not the end but where they've kind of cut it off they put up a stage, and the Korean community mm -hmm. got to have a Korean festival there. Oh, nice. So we walked up, and there was this little teenage girl in mm -hmm. traditional Korean garb doing a fan dance. And mm -hmm. the next thing was a little girl with one of these huge drums came out and was doing her thing. Mm -hmm. I'm like, yay. I, I don't know if this is the beginning of the end or if this is just another evolution of what it is. but. Mm -hmm. Get out and enjoy it while you can, because who yeah. knows how long it'll last. Uh, the <laughs> festival at the lake used to be the big thing. Yeah. And then that disappeared, you know. Yeah. Get in when you can, enjoy it while you can, because mm -hmm. who knows how long it's going to last. That's exactly right. And it's one of the things that makes Oakland, you know, as wonderful as it is, as long as it keeps going. Mm -hmm. I wanted to talk about, I know this, you know, we're a theater, but I think I can connect this theater thing, too. So... The NBA Finals, it, it, there was a game that happened, I think it was Thursday, <laughs> Thursday night. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, I don't know if you how in deep into basketball you guys are, but of course, J.R. Smith, at four seconds, 
sort of lost his mind or had a memory lapse and didn't realize was what the score the, was. Was that when the basketball got tossed or was – Yes. So, yeah, so here's he, what happened. He, he, yeah, Go he, ahead. he slammed the, the ball into uh, Draymond, right. yeah. Oh, <laughs> thinking that it oh, was no, over. No, no, no. You're talking but, about the but, Tristan Thompson thing. I'm oh, talking yeah, about four right, minutes right. of regulation. Where so four minutes so the game is tied right one oh seven one oh seven. I can go into right, what right, happened right. thirty eight seconds later, yeah. but that's so it's four seconds. There's a guy who's at the free throw line. Right. He makes one that ties the game. Right. And then he shoots another one. He misses. Right. Um J.R. Smith, who's on the same team, the Cavaliers, grabs it. He's right under the basket. Yeah. But instead of putting it back up to put the Cavaliers in the lead, he dribbles out because he thinks We've won the game. Right. And LeBron James is like, no. He's pointing to the basket like, <laughs> oh, yeah, no, yeah, score. Yeah. <laughs> and you should see the meme. I mean, I should, I have the, uh, of course, people can I see saw a couple here. of responses, but oh, my goodness. Yeah, that's a picture of oh, uh, yeah, LeBron uh, James. LeBron. And just look at, I mean, he's yeah. considered, he scored 51 points. He's scored right. more points than Michael Jordan for, you know, mm-hmm. all four points by in a playoff game. And, and losing. I yeah, thought that was, the, that was the specific I heard right. was it was the most points mm-hmm. for somebody in a game yeah. where they lost. Where they lost. <laughs> but what's interesting is we talk about theater all the time of staying in the moment. Yeah. And that's why, you know, some of us go into classes and we, we learn, you know, whatever technique we have or if you're out there. Keep, you know, keep, keep the fourth wall. If you're focused on a particular character, stay there. Right. Don't you know it's it's the easiest thing in the world when especially when the lights are on and people are watching you mm-hmm. to sort of you know space out <laughs> sort of like a I don't know a cat mm-hmm. looking at a, uh, a, a, a I don't know you, you know those little oh, the toys yeah the, the toys or the lights yeah. or whatever and clearly Jasmine did not know what the score was right and <clears throat> you know during a free throw you have enough time everyone has time you're not right. you're not active you're not engaged or anything right. you're looking you know you're and a lot of times you're right. talking to strategize still. what's yeah. going on. Yeah. And um, it just reminds me, um, like especially going back to the theater, there sometimes you'll have, let's say, a young actor or whatever actor, they're supposed to be listening, and let's say they're not even, let's say they're not even in the dialogue, mm-hmm. but for whatever reason they lose focus and they forget, oh, what's happening on stage. Occasionally it happens. It reminded oh, me of that. And, and my and, and scapegoat. Yeah. We, and I think it was opening. Um, <laughs> one of the actresses. The scene had because we kept changing little things here, tweaking little mm-hmm. things. Well, that throws you off your game. Sure, it totally does. Sure. And so they got to the end of the scene. The scene had gone wonderfully. In fact, she had entered in. It had been a beautiful. It's it's a it's a very op- episodic play. Mm-hmm. She had brought in her moment. It worked wonderfully. They had a cute little scene. She walked out two lines before the end. Just walked out. Oh. Okay. She thought she was done. Yeah. I guess, and she just walked out. And the scene is supposed to end. With her walking out, so it still felt like it was supposed to feel, mm-hmm. but everybody else, including the other actor on stage, kind of went, you know, <laughs> and know what to do. <laughs> that was honestly the reaction that, again, we were looking for it in that oh, scene. Okay. But it was an honest reaction. It really was a, <laughs> well, I guess we're done. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, you sort of have to uh, keep your mind in, and well, in the, in the age of theater, you have that spontaneity, and you have to know what to do, even when your other partner doesn't know what to do. It's exactly it's just like the basketball game. You have to know where all the the parts are on the floor. Sure, mm-hmm. uh, you got to know where all the parts are on the stage and what they're doing, what they are doing, what they're supposed to be doing. Right. Yeah. That's that's why uh, I, I 
when I talk about I have a lousy memory mm -hmm. <laughs> for theater, uh -huh. but what it is, I'm a full-bodied memorizer. Sure. Uh -huh. I memorize the emotion. I memorize the space. I memorize the costume. Right. I memorize the, the yeah. set. I memorize yeah. the people that I'm dealing with. Right. And, and also the lines. Right. right. But, but it's so that you know all the parts mm -hmm. that are supposed to be moving yeah. so if something isn't quite right yeah mm -hmm. you can adapt to it right mm -hmm. and it's funny you mentioned that because it's almost like sense memory there's a time where i'm i'm quoting a line i know where i am on the stage i right. know what furniture is around me right i know who's around me and there's sometimes let's say if you tweaked a a, a part or right. you tweak it as a director right like no you're going to go here now i've got to okay wait a minute now i've got to remember oh, yeah. now i'm here and sometimes your muscle memory sort of kicks in, mm -hmm. and you're like, okay, wait a minute. I've got to readjust or, or what have you. So I right. know exactly what you're talking about, Don. Yeah. yeah the last 24-hour play fest that I did, um, I had – it was a, a play about a band. Yeah. And uh, there was one member of the band during all during the rehearsal during the course of that day. Mm -hmm. um, she – had trouble at one point where she was exposed to express her love of mm -hmm. the of another band member. Right. Yeah. Right. Oh wow. And she had trouble with that. Uh huh. And I knew if we were going to have a problem with the actual performance, it was going to happen there, <coughs> and it did. Uh -huh. Oh. <laughs> oh, you <laughs> she, she could yeah. not express the fact that she loved the other member of the band. Yeah. So he, he, the other two members of the band, yeah. had the presence of mind to jump in, and they finished up the rest of the play. Uh -huh. Wow. Around uh, around the fact yeah. right, that a key moment in the play did not happen. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so it sounds like she was perpetually making whatever mistake. Yeah, or it, it, I, something about her own personality that she mm. could not express. Interesting. <laughs> love interests. <laughs> I've had a director, Susan Evans, say, usually if an actor trips on a particular line and it happens perpetually, there's something psychological going on. Have you found that, that no, out? Yeah. And again, yeah. working with new works, sometimes it's that the playwright is trying to get at something, the actor is staying true to the character, something, there needs to be an adjustment. Right. And sometimes it's as much yeah. as just clarifying for the actor or helping the actor to get a, you know, I love telling an actor, and actor, actors, we all want to take that pause before we wind up on a moment. Mm -hmm. And I said to one of my actors, you have this moment where he says relief, and you're supposed to respond as a question, relief? And what's happening right now is he says relief, and you go, you do this big physical reaction where you kind of are taken aback, mm -hmm. literally taken mm -hmm. aback. And I said, if you could say relief with that, because what happens now is you have this big physical reaction, mm -hmm. and then you have to kind of ground yourself again, yeah. find the presence <clears throat> of mind to come up with the question relief. And I'm like, you just need to hit it. And I saw the actor kind of give me a queer look when I said it, mm -hmm. but when he did it, in the performance, mm -hmm. it's so just bang, it worked. And I'm yeah. like, yeah, now before we're having this clunky moment, and now that clunky moment is gone. Yeah. Well, that's why I love doing new, brand spanking new theater, because mm -hmm. the whole time is a voyage of discovery. Right. And, yeah. and you're, hel every, you're helping each other to discover right. things. Yeah. Right. People are very generous. They yeah. can be very, and that's what you want, people who can be very generous in that mm -hmm. moment. It's not your moment. It is a collaborative And moment. what can you give to the other person to help yeah. them to understand what yeah. they're doing? Yeah. I did have a quick question before we go into an origin story mm -hmm. exactly about that because you may make a, um, a fix, and it's a tangible fix because let's say you don't have a lot of time, so right. we don't need to have these great pauses. But 
the actor has to make an emotional adjustment. They mm-hmm. just can't do it because, hey, we're running out of time or we need to make this fix. Like, let's say you may say, Reg, I need you to move stage left because mm-hmm. visually, I don't know, maybe I'm blocking somebody or I'm right. upstaging someone. But let's say you don't want to tell me that. You want to make it so that there's an emotional connection or, or something like that, or it's my job. Mm-hmm. Is that sometimes difficult? Let's say you have a tangible fix, but you need to sort of have it make sense to the actor. You, you've got to always make it. It has to make sense to the actor because they're the one performing <clears throat> it. Yeah. And sometimes you know the perfect fix, and this person just doesn't get it. you got to let go of your notion of the perfect fix and figure out what you can do. Sometimes you work around them. Mm-hmm. Sometimes you tell them something else. I mean, there's a director that I worked with, and I and I love I, – I call it the um, – and I think he actually gave me the phrase, the mushroom, mm-hmm. the mushroom um, theory of directing. Three simple rules. You keep them in the dark. You feed them bullshit. <laughs> you watch them grow. <laughs> and the uh, best yeah. example of it I, I ever remember experiencing <laughs> was we were doing a play. It was a modern adaptation of a Greek. Mm-hmm. So there was a king. And we did it on a very open set. So for the throne room scenes, we had to – and I played a character called Right Hand. I was the king's right hand. I would bring out a chair, the throne, and put it in the middle of the stage, and he would arrive just as we timed it. So I would go out there, and the music would start, and I would go out there, and I'd put that chair down, and he would be able to plop in that chair and hit his first note. So it was it was a gorgeous little piece of staging. Mm-hmm. And in <clears throat> rehearsal, we did it with this old um, stuffed chair. You know, it had a wooden arms and stuff, but the padding was and the back was stuffed. And... Mm-hmm. and um, at one point, the actor said, so, but, I mean, this is going to be the throne room, right? This is going to be, like, it's got to be nice. It can't just be this. And the director said, oh, yeah, of course. I mean, it's going to be a throne. It'll be gold. Um, <laughs> you know, don't worry about it. It's going to be great. And I'd worked with the director a number of times before, so I knew what was coming. Tech, I go backstage to check my prop, and sure enough, it's the same damn chair, spray-painted gold. Ah. And I brought it out and sat it down, and I watched the actor come in from the other side of the stage, and I saw his eyes light up, but he didn't have any time to react. He had to keep moving, come and plop into that chair, and the scene went just the way it had always gone. It was fine, but I know in his brain he's going, I know, I know. <laughs> he's that's just freaking did. out. Yeah. Well, that's better than, than the occasion where you rehearse and rehearse and rehearse with something, and then when you actually get to the actual production – it's completely different, and it right. throws you off. Oh, yeah. Right. <laughs> right. And then, no, that's the instructor was smart enough to know I can't make that kind of a change, but I can lie to you and tell you I'm going to make a big change. <laughs> yeah, I think as an actor, tell me there's some, you know, like we've all been there where let's say in the <clears> – <throat> just before, the, you know, let's say the beginning part of the rehearsal process, you have these ideas of mm-hmm. what's going, how the set's going to be and the furniture and the costuming right. and all that stuff. And I've had this many times. I think probably, was it with Candide? It may have been earlier. It may have been another production at the DMT where I'm told, oh, you're going to be wearing this. Right. You'll be, and it'll be wonderful. And then you get it, and it's like, eh. This is not wonderful, yeah. Yeah. But as an actor, it's like, hey, listen, i got to keep going, and i just got to you know, keep flowing. But I'd rather, as an actor, be told, hey, just give me the truth. Right. So give me the needle now so that I can have the entire rehearsal process to get it out of my system. But if I'm... If I'm pissed off or whatever because of what's going on, and I got to go on stage and whatever, that's gonna be that's a lot more difficult. I mean, where I like, I got to wear corn 
coin rolls. That's right. At, at the very Gandhi. last minute, I you, never saw well, them until we were actually winning. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I was the Duke or whatever uh-huh. I was, and, and they made me a wig made yeah. out of coin rolls. Oh no! <laughs> it was actually actually it was, a, it was a great wig, but, <laughs> right. but, but, but I didn't I didn't right I didn't get it until until. In fact, it, we didn't even have it like the preview. Yeah. I had it for the first performance. Oh wow! Right. <laughs> yeah, we were getting all sorts of last minute stuff, and we had to deal with after a lot of the stuff. last minute stuff. Oh. Right, right, exactly. From a distance, it looked fantastic, Don. Oh, yeah. yeah. Well, and that's, as a director, you have to make those choices. I mean, there are times when I know there are people who I think I will never work with this person again, but I knew enough about how they worked that I could make adjustments to get what I wanted out of the performance. Mm-hmm. So I'm thinking in the future, I don't want to work with them again, but honestly, I can make them, I can get them to where I need them to be. Mm-hmm. It may not, our personal relationship. <clears throat> May not benefit from it, but our yeah. professional relationship is going to be to everybody's for, for this moment in time. We can get there, yeah. <laughs> yeah, because you have these actors where you don't, and and I work with some who are real, real buttholes, but right. you know they're perfect for the role. Mm-hmm. They're they're just they're right. just set for it. As long as you know from the outset what they are like, right? You can adapt yourself right. to work with them and your right. schedule, you, yeah. so you can work with them. Yeah, and I generally find. Right. Folks are less um, – they're more likable when they're doing things they love to do. Mm-hmm. If you ask someone to do something that they're not used to doing, like the proverbial – but, I mean, a lot of actors who are, I don't know, uh, difficult to work with, mm-hmm. sometimes they're doing things they don't like doing, which makes them more irascible or more you know, mm-hmm. frustrated or whatever. But generally, if they like what they're doing, they may still be a butthole, but at least mm-hmm. they're, they're, they can be – you can deal with them on stage because they're doing what they're supposed to be doing. Right. So – Let's jump to an origin story. Don Hardwick, um, are you born and raised here? Uh, how did you get involved in uh, in theater? I have, yeah, I'm a Bay Area. Okay. Born. Oh, I've been all my entire Bay Area in, in mm-hmm. entire life in the Bay Area. Yeah. I uh, grew up in Richmond. Okay. I went to uh, Kennedy High School. I was hey. I was in the first freshman class at Kennedy High School in yes. Richmond. All right. Uh, and uh, that's actually where. Well, I, I, I was in the Glee Club in elementary school, mm-hmm. okay. and we did a couple of <coughs> little shows uh-huh. yeah. In, yeah. In, the, in the Glee Club. I, I was prime minister in the emperor's <laughs> new clothes, uh-huh. so I got to sing about him being in his underwear. And mm-hmm. all. Uh-huh. <laughs> nice. Uh, but uh, in high school, I, well, I was always a singer. Yeah, mm-hmm. I, right I, on. I, I, I could sing before I could talk. So. Uh-huh. Um, like when in my the church choir that I yeah <laughs> when I was a kid yeah I was the male section even when I was a youth is that right I, we, there were so few people okay. in the choir I uh-huh. was the male section of so the you choir. had that you had that lower voice even then I had whatever voice I had yeah. I, I, I my that, that's why I, I I can sing most anything most any range so. mm-hmm. <laughs> all right, right. So, very good but uh, in high school I was. I've always been very active in things. So, high school, I spent more time doing extracurricular stuff than mm-hmm. curricular stuff. Yeah. Right. <laughs> I rarely went, especially when I was a senior, I rarely went to class. Yeah. <laughs> but, but I was, but I was in competitive speaking. I did forensics. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I, that's where I actually got my start doing performance. Sure. Ah. Uh, and, but I took, I did my first play. At the end of my junior year, mm-hmm. and that's when I got hooked. 
What cool. was it? It was a, a, I was the leading man. My character was the leading man mm. in six characters in search of an author. Oh yeah 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 wow wow it, that was the first that's a that, big that that was my first play dramatic jump. My senior year, not only was I the the uh, yearbook editor, mm-hmm. <laughs> I I still did forensics. I yeah. went to the state championships in mm-hmm. humorous interpretation. Uh-huh. I wrote two. Well, I was I, I completely wrote one musical. Uh-huh. I was the head writer on another show that our, the drama department did. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I did like half a dozen other plays. Yeah, and and, and I had a touring thing that uh, a, a friend of mine played classical guitar, mm-hmm. and I did prose and poetry mm. accompanied to her classical uh-huh. guitar. Nice, wow. and, and we were toured every. All mm-hmm. the classes, mm-hmm. and e- even those that had absolutely nothing to do with what we were doing, right. we got invited. So, doing all that stuff, I rarely went to actual classes. I still, <laughs> I still graduated. Yeah, nice. <laughs> but but, th- but then I was a drama major in, in yeah. college. Now, oh, where'd it, you go? Oh, we, go ahead. Cal State. Cal State Hayward. Hayward. It was Yay. Cal State Hayward. Right. It'll always be Cal State Hayward now, to me. Have it, they haven't officially changed it back? Oh, is it still? It, it'll East be Bay? it'll be East Bay forever now. Uh, because okay. they do have a, you do have campuses elsewhere, right? So it has oh, to, that's right. So yeah. it has to be Cal yeah. State East Bay. I was trying to get a. De- uh, is, are we talking about the early seventies or the late sixties? Early seventies, yeah. Okay, mm-hmm. I graduated uh, in seventy one. I was huh? trying to. I don't know if you were part of the hippie generation or um, or maybe not. Uh, I was a part of it, <laughs> but I, I wasn't okay. a hippie. Like, yeah. like always, everybody else, he doesn't remember. <laughs> I, I've always been a social progressive, but uh, a conservative. Mm-hmm. Sure. Fiscal, fiscally, fiscal conservative, social progressive. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that makes sense. That makes sense. Because there were a lot of stuff weird. going on this in the in the late sixties. There was a lot 70s. going yeah. on. My my stepfather, I always thought was a hippie. Later on, I realized he was somebody who was like not not into drugs. Did not like rock and roll, but he had long long hair, wore jeans. You know, oh. we, we went to all kinds of anti-war stuff. Yeah. Well, I graduated with a beard. Mm-hmm. I, I grew a beard for when I did Saint Joan. Mm-hmm. And I kept it. In mm-hmm. fact, my wife knew me for two and a half years before she ever saw my face. Uh, uh-huh. She was scared to death. Oh, was she your high school sweetheart? Or was she no, no, college. Uh, we met oh, col- in college. Okay, yeah. I understand. Okay. Yeah, because, you know, when I talk to my dad, it's funny how when we talk about the 60s and the 70s and sort of the hippie generation and the generations, it's a little different when you talk when, with different cultures. Right. Like the African-American culture, it's a little different. You know, oh, yeah. they, you know very different. Yeah. Like my dad, he uh, was stationed in Texas, Fort Sam Houston, in San Antonio, mm-hmm. and he came out of the uh, the army and he went back to D.C. I suppose he could be considered a part of the um, the '60s generation, mm-hmm. but he was a you know we were we were very liberal, but we still went to church. Right. We still believed in praying, and right. we still believed in um, sort of the Martin Luther King sort of conservative mm-hmm. faction, mm-hmm. although politically uh, Democrat. Right. And that's very different from, let's say, an African-American who grew up on the West Coast, let's say Angela Davis and Rap Brown and mm-hmm. Stokely Carmichael and, you know, and, and that sort of stuff. So I'm always fascinated with, you know, how cultures grow well, up. I, I've always been the person who brings groups together. That's That was what I considered my main job in mm-hmm. high school. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Because this was a new school. Yeah. And it was combining 
various <laughs> cultures in Richmond. Fascinating. Oh, you yeah. mean Kennedy? Yeah. At, at Kennedy, yeah. Yeah. And uh, in fact, I remember. Was wa- it compuls- I, I remember ahead. walking down the, mm-hmm. the hallway one day, and uh, a black girl bumps into my shoulder and turns to me like she wants to fight me. Right. Hmm. And I just look at her. You know, what's what's your problem? And walk down. Mm-hmm. But. Uh, and when the musical that I wrote, sure, mm-hmm. I didn't hold casting, I, di- I didn't hold auditions for it. Right. I went around the school mm-hmm. and I said, "You're gonna help me with this project. Right. You're gonna be in it. You're gonna be in it. You're mm-hmm. g- at just to bring people together mm-hmm. to create this show." Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it all worked out. It all it had a good following. I mean, it, well, we we only played one weekend. It was okay. right, but high school. Awesome. Yeah, yeah, yeah it was yeah. high school. Yeah. No. no, and, no. In fact. <coughs> my the advisor advised me it was a three act musical mm-hmm. that I virtually wrote in one night mm-hmm. <laughs> wow wow well the I, I wrote the bare mm-hmm. bones of it in sure. one night it, it had three six original songs in it yeah mm-hmm. but and it was easy because the third act mirrored the first act mm-hmm. and the second act was it was unique it was a it was a, a cross-country meet. Sure. <laughs> um, anyway, wow. it was a choreographed cross-country sure. meet. Anyway. Um, cool idea. <laughs> yeah, I was since I was in track and cross-country, I was anti-football. Mm-hmm. Okay. Right. <laughs> I hear you. Because they played the same. You know. Sure. Ta- talk to me about uh, what you learned uh, in w- when you went to Cal. Cal um, State? Yeah. What did you study? Uh, I, well, I Study theater, but okay. I again I kept my extracurricular activities very high. I did mm-hmm. competitive speaking there as well. Yeah, mm-hmm. they do a different competitive mm-hmm. speaking. Yeah, we also involved in in readers theater. And yeah, that kind of stuff. But, but I'm always interested. But I was in politics also. I was I was the the secretary of the student union, mm-hmm. uh-huh. and uh, um, I was also chairman of a couple other organizations. The the uh, speakers committee. I was in charge of. Bringing people on campus. Oh, uh-huh. Yeah, mm-hmm. so Courtney Stark is my problem. Yeah. Because <laughs> I, I, I sponsored his first debate. Um, I'm always I don't in know Courtney Stark. Pete, Pete Stark, former congressman Pete Stark, oh. who, who was congressman forever. Uh-huh. Oh, okay. <laughs> um, um, I'm always interested in what – did you learn, um, I don't know, Stanislavski or Adler or um, – I'm not sure what Crossford. I learned in college. Okay. <laughs> most most of my theater I learned by osmosis. By doing I hear you. It, right. by, yeah. by actually doing that's been, it. That's been a recurring I, I, theme. I, I, my, my music too because I'm also – I've conducted music. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've been in tons of choruses. I learn from the people that I work with. Sure, I, I, I'm a sponge. Yeah, mm-hmm. when it, when it comes to seeing what people do and how they do it. Right. Yeah, yeah, I hear you. Um, siblings, are you the only child, or no? I have. Uh, I'm the second of five. Okay. Huh? Are, they, are they involved in arts as well? Um, most of them are teachers and medical professionals. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. But uh, actually, it's my kids that have gotten stayed with. Uh, Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, and my son, uh, my, uh, particularly my two sons, mm-hmm. uh, my oldest son uh, lives here in Oakland. He, mm-hmm. he lives over by Lake Merritt, mm-hmm. where, where the barbecue incident yeah. took place. Mm-hmm. Um, he works for Ticket Fly. Oh, nice. 
and he also writes a music blog mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. For, for spinning platters. Uh-huh. So he's constantly going to music festivals, wow. and mm-hmm. concert venues, right. and all that kind cool, of stuff. Cool, cool. And then my other son is a stage manager. Huh. Right. Currently living in Seattle, but mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. yeah, I, I have directed my children huh. <laughs> on stage. Wow! <laughs> now that has to be tough. You, yeah. you should. You should. Well, that's rare. That. I mean, <laughs> I, I don't know how many times yeah. I talk to people, and their kids are coming up, and even if they're involved in theater, they mm-hmm. want nothing to do with what their parents are doing. Yeah, even my even my granddaughter shared the stage with me. No, no, no. What, nice. what, what if your stepson ever wanted to get involved? Would you be able to direct him? I. Direct him? Yeah, actually, um, he's he's wonderfully responsive. He's got great instincts. Every time somebody's looking for a team, if mm-hmm. he seems like he's the right one, I'm like, I would love to get him involved in this, but it would just be too much of a hassle. You know, he I don't know if I want to do it. <laughs> and, uh, you know, there are lots yeah, of people who me. want to do it. Sure. So I, I've always felt that way about theater. If you don't want to do it, that's fine. You're in the wrong room. Why don't you go down the hall to someplace else? Because mm-hmm. We got plenty of people who want to do this. That's Why right. should I have to deal with you? And right. I feel that way about my stepson. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. But he's amazing talent. I, mean, <laughs> I wish he would. <coughs> so, Don, t- talk to us about um, your first foray into Bay Area theater. Okay, um, well, yeah. I, like I said, I went to Cal State, mm-hmm. and I was a college, I was a theater major, mm-hmm. but I had to work my right. way through college. And I ended up in the food service business and I was in that for 10 years. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So it was it's tough to be in that business and do theater. Sure. Right? So sure. I occasionally got to do a couple of things here mm-hmm. and there. Uh-huh. But uh it wasn't a regular thing until uh what the only thing that I did regularly was for 30 years I was involved with an historical pageant mm-hmm. that was done by my church. Mm-hmm. Oh, uh-huh. And so from 1977 to 2017, I was involved with with that. Yeah. Or 2007, rather, not 2017. Okay. That's still 30 years. 30 years, Mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah. Uh, So, and I did everything. I I played all the parts, Mm -hmm. uh, all all the roles. Mm -hmm. It was was a huge production. Yeah. A very huge production. Mm -hmm. And I was producer. I was a director. You know, anyway. Mm -hmm. So I was. I could regularly be involved with that, mm-hmm. but it wasn't until 2005 that I got, I was finally in a job that allowed me to do public theater again, mm-hmm. and uh, it was at the Morrison, yeah. which, which became my home mm-hmm. theater, Morrison, mm-hmm. I, I did like 11 shows for the yeah. Morrison. Mm-hmm. Every time I walk in the DMT, I see pictures of you. Doing yeah. various things, yeah. Yeah. but I did that. My first show in 2005, at the end of 2005, was Camelot. Yeah, mm. and uh, w- that gave me the bug again. Yeah, mm-hmm. and I had hit the floor running, and I haven't stopped <laughs> since yeah. then. Okay. Yeah, awesome. Uh, that that following summer after Camelot, I did two shows at Woodminster, which was my first time I did Ragtime. Mm-hmm. Which I've mm-hmm. done two others since then. Mm-hmm. And um, and then I got connected with uh, Lamplighters. Mm-hmm. Mm. I did I did two shows with them, mm-hmm. and uh, it, it seems like I always managed to find shows to do. Yeah. And, and if you you you, <coughs> you look at my thing, 
This this shows you all the things that I've done. You see, each year gets fatter and fatter and fatter and fatter. That's awesome. That's awesome. (laughs) And and then I Mm -hmm. eventually added uh, film work. Mm -hmm. Started doing some film work. I haven't done any film work for Mm -hmm. for a while now. Are I've been you, too are busy you, doing directing. And yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> are you at the point where you audition, or do you just wait for people to call you because your name is out there? I occasionally, I, I really don't audition very often, mm-hmm. mainly because I don't audition very well. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we talked about this. Oh, yeah. 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 But, uh, but I am a relatively known commodity now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I, I do a lot of work now with uh, not only with Playwright Center, I, but I'm doing a lot of work with uh, Piano Fight. So I, I love doing the little small right. shows. Yeah, yeah. I, I'll, I'll, I, I rele- relegate myself to yeah. maybe two main stage shows that I'll perform in. Uh-huh. But I like to mix in a lot of little stuff sure. all through yeah. the year. What are you doing with Piano Fight? Because I've done Piano Fight working with Play Cafe and Musical Cafe. Uh, well, I, I just did a thing called Music Scene. Mm-hmm. I, I just directed mm-hmm. one of the parts in the May version of of music scene mm-hmm. where we had four singer songwriters present three of their songs mm-hmm. and they were matched with a playwright, a director and and some actors. Mm-hmm. The playwright selected one of the songs to inspire them to write mm-hmm. a little short piece. Yeah. And then we took those four pieces and the songs. Yeah. And they all got mashed together into one program. Huh. So you have a song, and then you have there's a playwright who's going to write a play around, based uh, on ba- the song. Based on the song, yeah. Interesting. That's an interesting concept. It, it, it was a it was a beautiful night of theater. Yeah. Uh-huh. And we just like I say, it ran Monday nights in in, in mm-hmm. May. Huh. Uh, I'm now involved with uh, short lived. Mm-hmm. Uh, I I did short lived last year for the first time. Yeah. Where, you where I dir- short lived? No, I don't know short lived. Yeah. Where, 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 where I where I directed to. Short lived is a competitive play, short play oh, thing. Okay, they they claim it's the biggest audience judged uh, playwriting competition in the world. Huh. Okay. Last year we had um, uh, thirty two, uh, thirty thirty six plays. Mm-hmm. Wow. Uh, and <coughs> and they competed. There, there was a group each week mm-hmm. that competed against each other. Right. For a final production, mm-hmm. and then the winner took home five thousand dollars. Wow! Right, and this year it's it's eight weeks of six plays, so there's forty eight. Was plays. that um, uh, Ruben Ruben Grijalva? Gru- yeah, Ruben. Yeah, see, I acted yeah. in one of his original plays too. Yeah. several years ago. Yeah, um, but I. But I directed to and acted in one last yeah. year. I was asked to direct one so far uh-huh. this year, and the last two nights I've been <laughs> invited to mm-hmm. act in two others. Uh-huh. So in round two, I'll, so far I'll be acting in two. Yeah. And in round three, I'll be directing one. I don't mm-hmm. know what's happening in four, yeah. five, six, seven, and eight. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we yeah, had. It's still early. <laughs> we had Ruben here, and he talked about um, at the Protrero. I, f- I keep on forgetting the name of the company. Protrero Stage. Playground. Yeah, Protrero Stage. Yeah, mm-hmm. so Playground. That's right. Playground. Yeah. Yeah. So, wow. What? Uh, once yeah. again, the yeah, tapestry is there. I did a play of his uh, called Foresight. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Where it was about a, a guy who uh, 
was a software designer, and mm-hmm. he designed a software version of himself, mm-hmm. knowing that he was going to die. Oh, and I he see. Wa- and he created, he his he created it for his daughter yeah. to right. grow up with him. Right. Yeah. After he, right. So, so he still, she still had him after he died. Mm-hmm. And I played his business partner. Okay. Who kept re- wanting to have this software available the to the rest yeah. of the world. Right. Right. And he didn't want it. Right. And his doppelganger didn't want it either. Mm-hmm. So uh-huh. I spent most of my time on stage arguing with this yeah. image on a screen. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Sounds like you're the antagonist. <laughs> it's a nice concept. Yeah. And we see it on we see it on film all the time with movies like Her and uh, Ex Machina. Yeah, well, these, I, these I know are, you're I know you're familiar with Ruben's work cuz you did that one film with him. That's right. That's right. <laughs> that's um, that's, that's actually what yeah, that's one of the actually after I first met you, then I realized, oh yeah, that was you in that film. Yeah. <laughs> oh, did, you, did you see the film, Don? Oh, yeah. Cool. Oh, yeah. I got a copy of it. Oh, right on. Cool. Shadow Ball. Shadow Ball. From James Cool Papa Bell. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. No, the, the, fantastic. The, the Negro League would the, they would they would right. pretend to play baseball. Yeah. <laughs> My God, that was ten years ago. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, no, I mean it's it's a wonderful thing, and uh, it's you know we we've, we've had once again there are these companies that. They have these, you know, they develop new plays, mm-hmm. and then we have this comp- competition. Because Piano Fight, they have another competition thing. Right. Alan Coyne, he was involved right. in mm-hmm. it, where yeah. they, I guess the winner gets 500 or $5,000. Mm-hmm. I think it's different from another one, but once again, this is another concept. So. And there's the Fringe Festival. I, I directed a play for the Fringe Festival, which mm-hmm. that year they played in both the Exit and the Piano Fight. Oh. Right. Wow. Right. Mm-hmm. And our, our good friend Linda Ayers Frederick, who mm-hmm. runs the Phoenix, right. she submitted something for the Fringe a couple of years ago. Mm-hmm. So once again, we have that uh, thing. So it sounds like Bay Area Theater is has been good to you as an actor. I mean, you're, you're getting involved. You're getting work. Uh, yeah, as a director, too, now. Thank yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because we've had a lot of folks who have been either frustrated or – let me ask you financially. I mean, do you – that's why I still work. <laughs> <laughs> so your day job I still is work for a living, yeah. Not yeah. the day job. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So this is not – you wouldn't consider this a career um, move or, or what have you for it you? It would be nice if that was the case, but uh, no, I, my my work finances the fact that I mm-hmm. yeah. get to do this. Yeah. I, I, get, I, I generally don't do unpaid things anymore. Sure. Mm-hmm. Although, case, you know, with playwrights and often you're – you're yeah. doing right. You don't get paid a lot with no, that. You, you definitely don't get paid a lot right. with that. Yeah. <laughs> when you do get paid, a lot of those 24 hour play fests are fundraisers, so yeah. nobody gets paid. Sure, right. sure. <laughs> How has, um, do you, because you know, you're both an actor and singer and actor, but also a director, do you, um, do you do you find yourself? Are you more comfortable more on stage or 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 behind the stage? Both. Yeah. I, I just like being around the stage. Mm, okay. Mm-hmm. Somewhere. Yeah. Yeah. Do you find that being an actor helps you as a director? Absolutely. Sure. I am an actor's director. In fact, uh, one of the best compliments I ever got was one of the early twenty-four hour play fests that I did when mm-hmm. we were working on it. I worked on a scene, and the one of the actors walked past me saying, so that's what a director does. Mm. Because mm. this is uh-huh. during the 24-hour play. We're, right. we're spending all day just discovering right. things mm-hmm. and, and working and mm-hmm. milking things out of each other. Yeah. So, and you that's know, what I should be doing as a yeah, director yeah. is get bringing everything out of the actor that you can right. get. Right. Helping them mm-hmm. to discover yeah. stuff. That's one thing I haven't asked you, Norman. 
did you take class as a director, or how did how did you become I a director? I took a, a beginning uh, directing class. Mm-hmm. Um, the irony is, like, uh, my lead actor right now is Ronnie Washington, who's mm-hmm. a professor at San Francisco State. Mm-hmm. That's where I met him. I was a student, and I never took. He taught uh, directing. I never took his class. I had taken a class in Southern California before I transferred up here. Mm-hmm. Um, after that, it really was just watching directors and realizing sort of what you had said earlier. Um, there's a way where you just sort of see how things get put together and it makes sense to you and you start to recognize that mechanism and you start to use it. So it's funny because at one point in the, the thing you just said about when you're working with these new pieces, it's kind of your job to bring the pieces together and to utilize everybody's best talents to bring that out in people. And I was a, a little apologetic because I felt like we owed the playwright we gave a lot of attention to the playwright, so I don't feel bad about that. And at a certain point, I felt like, well, that has been to the detriment of the actors, except where they've been – they were very active in the collaborative process. But at a certain point, it needs to be about making a show that's going to be in front of an audience. Mm-hmm. And you need to, like you do, kick the playwright out. There needs to be – this is what we're working with. How do we make it work? And I felt a little bad about that because I don't take a – I. there are times when I'm very – specific about what I want and how I think it needs to be with this group they were so giving and so creative that I could just work off of what they were bringing to it and I feel like what's great about that is sometimes you get in your head as a director and when you're not recognizing that you don't have the resources to make it come alive the way you see it in your head then you get frustrated a smart director learns to let that go and really see what you've got and what you're capable of and make adjustments. And so at one point I got told in the process of, of Skateboard that there are three platforms, little platforms that they had built. And they're part of both shows. Or I think they were being used in another thing, too. So they wanted there to be this element in all of the things that were part of this year's playground. And so I was like, well, three platforms on this tiny stage. What am I going to do with three platforms? Well, then I split them up. And once I did that, I thought it was great. And they kept also, we have a scrim, and they kept bugging me about doing stuff behind the scrim. And I said, well, what you showed me on the stage plan is not enough room for two actors to walk by each other. So all I can do is this sort of flat staging if I use stuff up above it. And they said, no, no, no. The tech people said, no, we can move that. So they did. So I actually went in right after they moved it, and I walked backstage, and I saw, and I was like, okay, I can use this. So I started using it. Well, once we put the show together, suddenly I'm hearing from the producer, do you need that platform upstage? We, we can get rid of that. You don't need that. And by then, it had become a design element for my mm-hmm. piece. And I'm like, you're not to – it creates sort of a checkerboard effect to the stage, you know, just the slightest hint of it. But that slightest hint is all I've got on stage. <laughs> so I'm like, you are not taking out the one thing that allows me to hint to the audience that there's more to this world than just the flat surface of the stage. No, you're not taking that out. Mm-hmm. And so, but, you know, I felt very guilty digging my heels in. I watched it a couple of times, and I was like, no, I'm I'm so right. And then I talked to the designer about it. She's like, no, that, and I didn't say it out loud. She said, I love the way it's almost like a checkerboard. And I'm like, yeah, that's. <laughs> well, well, that's one of the nice things about being on the very ground floor of most of these pieces mm-hmm. is that you're doing something with it for the author's sake as well Mm -hmm. so they can see what does and does not necessarily work 
with their plate so they can continue to work on it right. to make it bigger right. and, and, and progressive. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Right. You may have filled in like we have silent moments and I'm like, does the playwright want to go back and write that into the play? Yep. Or do they want to create a scene based on that? We didn't create a scene. We, we created a silent moment. Do you want that? That You can see where that pause allows us to just, especially in an episodic piece, we need moments where we can breathe, let go of what just happened, move forward in time. We created that. Does the playwright want to keep it? That's up to them. Absolutely. But, but yeah, as a director, you create that shape. You're like, I see where this goes. This is A, and we really need to get to E, and therefore we need to give an audience a, a, that breath of B, C, D, <laughs> However we do it, light, sound, whatever, mm-hmm. I'm filling that in so that they can easily make a transition. And otherwise, you're just slamming them through. Yeah, I love giving them the opportunity to see the potential of their work that they didn't even realize. Yes. Yeah. That they, we discover stuff that they didn't even realize mm-hmm. was in there. Right. And uh, you mentioned something, Norman, I want to ask you, Don. Sometimes you have limited resources, or let's say you have a stage. You usually have, have limited <laughs> resources. Right, yeah. <laughs> but – how difficult or how easy is it to work with what you have? Let's say there's platforms that you have no idea what you're going to use these platforms for, but then you're I like, like okay. Candide with the weird sets that we have. Right, exactly. We, I nearly fall, <laughs> fell off one of those things. Well, remember, we uh-huh. had an accident with Candide well, yeah. at one point because there are these uh, strange little platforms <laughs> right. that – because I'm sure you know the story of Candide by yeah. Voltaire. We're visiting yeah. all these various areas, right. and the set designer had these – like triangular platforms, some would just go to the heavens, uh-huh. and, and but there would be it very was an existentialist p- portrait that we right. kept exactly. moving around. <laughs> and so the way the platforms would would take on these forms or whatever, and so sure. we had to. And sometimes we we had demanded that we have a railing because right. one of the actors was about to fall off. But Don, let's say you have these set pieces and you don't know exactly. I mean, is it a fun challenge or is it a hardship? How do you deal with you know what you uh, have? For, fortunately, so far, the stuff that I've had to direct, I haven't had to deal much with set pieces. Mm-hmm. So, and that that's hasn't really been an issue so far for me. Yeah, mm-hmm. since I've been dealing more with the little guys, little productions. Sure. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Um, one last question because we're about to hit into the one hour mark, and we'll get into um, um, shout, shout outs. outs and all of that stuff. Mm-hmm. But you talked earlier when you were in, uh, I think, high school, bringing people together. We've been talking about how directors, you work with actors who you love working with. Sometimes you work with actors who may not necessarily get it. You have a vision, an idea, and you give someone a, a set direction, and let's say they're taking it in a direction that you you know, you know, didn't intend for it to go, if you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. How do you deal with either difficult actors or actors who don't want to be difficult but they have a mindset of where this character's going, which is totally different from your mindset. Well, the example was the lady in the rock band. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> Who did not could, – could not get the idea of expressing love to another actor. Right? Sure, right. And uh, we just kept working and working it. And like I said, I, I, I knew that if anything was going to fall apart, it was – that was going to yeah. fall, mm-hmm. but but fortunately, <coughs> mm-hmm. I worked with the others. They were ready, yeah, to take over when, yeah. It, as long as it, you make everyone as prepared as possible, right? They can take over, yeah, yeah. So I guess the answer for that situation was, 
necessarily not necessarily working with the actor because you tried working with the actors, yeah. but working around. We try to the make actor. what we want to have happen happen. Sure, right. but if it doesn't, then you, you've got to come you, up you, with another. You plan, have to have yeah. your confidence in, in your other actors that right. they they will carry the load. Yeah, mm-hmm. I totally hear you. All right, uh, let's do shout outs. So you still have the. Um, uh, Scapegoat's going till June seventeenth. Mm-hmm. That's so, right. Yeah, it's it's going for a while. I'm going to go tomorrow, and I'll go to closing. And beyond that, um, you know, I'm I'm sort of waiting for friends to say they want to come see the show. I'll go back with somebody. Mm-hmm. The festival scheduling makes it really hard to set up um, because it's not like oh, it's just Friday and Saturdays. You really have to look at the calendar. So it's on Playground. I think it's Playground.org, mm-hmm. and you have to look up and see uh, birthdays. Today is David Arrow's birthday. David Arrow um, is a Bay Area actor who actually travels quite a bit working. Um, and I met him when uh, we did Buffalo down in at San Jose State. Oh, right. Genie's Play. Genie's Play, yeah. He, um, he played the captain. He was actually part of the workshop process and was great. He would ask those questions. If my character does this in this scene and then it says this later – Where's that connection? He was great about helping us put those things together. Mm-hmm. Um, upcoming birthdays. Uh, Elizabeth Craven is a North Bay um, director, actor. I think she's mostly director. Um, Kirk Livingston is an improviser. Mm-hmm. Um, Russell Blackwood, people should know because he's been part of Bay Area Theater forever. And he uh, runs Thrill Predlers, who I think they finally decided to call it quits. They lost their storage space, but they were known for doing a – Grand Guignol and Grand Guignol inspired, you know, oh, oh, blood yeah. and guts yeah. on stage. Late, late mm-hmm. Victorian, Victorian sort of horror. Well, no, it's the horror, and it goes back yeah. beyond the Victorians. It okay. was, you know, but because um, even Shakespeare um, is considered to be a part of it. Um, it was when theater companies, theater, you know, um, the technical side of theater started mm-hmm. figuring out how to do things like cut somebody's hand off on stage All every right. night. Yeah, <laughs> you know how do you make that happen, and how do you make the blood happen? They, they were regular TBA award nominees. Yeah, for those yeah. shows. Yeah, they were incredible. You wouldn't uh, think so, but yeah. <laughs> Michael Scott Moore um, used to be. I first knew him as a, a theater critic, mm-hmm. theater reviewer. He's gone on to become a novelist, and um, a few years ago, I think it was Afghanistan, he um, got caught as a journalist someplace and was kept for a while, kept oh, no. as a hostage. Yeah, uh, he's been back for a little while now. Okay. Um, Sean Owens, Bay Area theater actor, and uh, that's about it for this week. So happy birthday to you all. Yeah, I've got a couple of birthdays. Mm-hmm. Um, Janice, I think you know uh, Janice, um, um, Don. Janice fuller Leon. Uh, she acted. She's a DMT actor. I think she may have been in um, One Ten in the Shade. Um, her birthday is on Monday, June the 4th. Wednesday, June the 6th, Sandra Weingart. Uh, she's a fantastic actress. Really, she was. She got married, has a child, uh, but she was a fantastic actress. She did an EastEnders show, um, a prostitute and her client, mm-hmm. a really interpersonal play where the actress gets to interact with the audience, even ask the oh. act, act, actors you know, mm-hmm. questions about sexuality and all that sort of stuff, one of these uh, in-your-face sort of uh, shows. Hmm. And she did a fantastic job. Also, Mark Dannenberg-Hines, he's a fantastic actor. Uh, his birthday's on June the 6th. And uh, June the 7th, Krista Samboy. Uh, she is also a uh, longtime DMT actor. She was also the choreographer for uh, One Ten in the Shade. Yeah. So and that's mm-hmm. those are the birthdays that I have. So is it? it's the Morrison now, right? Haven't they tried to rebrand it as the Morrison? 
Or is that just an official? It's always been the Morrison. Mm -hmm. Yeah, the Morrison, Douglas Morrison Theater, DMT. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Okay. I I wasn't sure if that was still all, if there was an official thing. They have somebody operating it now. In fact, it used to be the title of the person who ran it was an artistic director. I think that they. That was the the person who runs it now has a different title. Yeah. Not even an artistic director anymore. Right, yeah. Yeah, I, it's it, it's interesting. I mean, do you have any feelings about what's going on to Douglas Morrison? Uh, it, it, they're almost off the radar now. Yeah, yeah. It's, which, it's, which is which is a shame because they were always, you know, high mm-hmm. quality theater mm-hmm. For, mm-hmm. for the East Bay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think I saw. I think it was called Dividing the Estate, yeah. and it, I, I just fell in love with the set. I mean, it was gorgeous. It was a wonderful performance, but the set, the use of that space, mm-hmm. it was like that. That wasn't complicated, but it was very creative. I was like, people need to know. Telephone lines. Well, they had a road. There was a road that uh, went, so they had sort of created a free, um, a floating uh, area for where the family was meeting and talking. Then there were steps onto a gravel path, and then that gravel path went up, and it just went back, you know, it went upstage, and then up the back, and it did, the way it was done, it just made it look like it, it was the road that went off over the hills mm-hmm. in the distance. It, it it was such a – and again, it was so creative the way they did it. It was just yeah. – you saw it, it was evocative, mm-hmm. and yet it helped to focus the energy yeah. where it needed to be. Yeah, the builder – I don't know. Who, there's a dude who uh, has a great big beard. He's the builder for the DMT, and mm-hmm. he just does an, an incredible job. Mm-hmm. Well, they've um, always had great designers. So. Always great designers, Yeah. And I can't wait to get in there for uh, Four Men in Paris. That'll that be in right. October at the Douglas Morrison Theater. Well, you'll get to see well, that's what, a shout what, out. what the new regime is like. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, that, that's our shout-out. And we've got a we're couple doing more shout-outs. We're a reading today. That's right. So, so I'll do a shout-out. In Hayward, yeah. <laughs> in Hayward uh, Books on B. Um, I'm not sure when this podcast will be coming out, but uh, if you're – Hopefully I can get it out because uh, I got a lot of stuff to, you know, going on. But got to get things together. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, we have a, uh, a stage reading of Four Men in Paris, which will be at Books on B at ten fourteen B Street in Hayward. I already have a Facebook post out, so we're it's a limited audience. But uh, for those who cannot make it in October, there'll be um, Four Men in Paris, which we'll be doing uh, at the Douglas Morrison Theater, mm-hmm. October the twelfth. Uh, through the 14th mm-hmm. um that'll be a limited thing but here's what's happening uh, more recently um in the heights uh plethos has a production in the heights it's a musical uh they had their opening night last night and uh they are open up until june the 10th and uh, do you have the venue the venue so that's is next weekend yeah yeah exactly that's small town space 2222 wedwood road in castro valley Oh, okay. Uh, and uh, I'll put a plug in uh, for that. Mm-hmm. Uh, also, uh, Waterfront Playhouse has Top Dog Underdog Ubuntu. Yeah, Ubuntu. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Waterfront. That's the that's the other theater I was talking about in Berkeley. Right, right, exactly. Waterfront Waterfront Playhouse and Conservatory, mm-hmm. which is on Twenty Twenty Fourth Street in Berkeley. Mm-hmm. Uh, that'll be running. That's been running, uh, and the last night is June the eighth. Um, shot, Shotgun Players has Dryland. Right. I don't know anything about that one. Dryland, I actually have the uh, website up here. Mm-hmm. That is, okay, now I've got to get back to Dryland because they have a bunch of stuff going on. Chris White. Uh, White is the thing we had. Um, Jared. Jared Presario. Mm. He's going to be in oh, that. Oh, Jed. Jed, I'm sorry. Jed, Jed Presario. Yeah. 
Okay, here we go. Uh, Dry Land uh, by Ruby Ray Spiegel, directed by Ariel Kraft. Uh, Amy and Esther are teammates at a suburban Florida high school swim team. Esther is aiming for a scholarship. Amy just wants to get through an unwanted pregnancy. Mm -hmm. So a lot of women's issues. New York Times described Dry Land as the portrait of an unlikely friendship under uncommon pressure. It's tender, caustic, funny, and harrowing. So, nice. So, uh, and Shotgun is always a wonderful place uh, Mm -hmm. at the Ashby stage. Uh, What else is going on? Plows Records. Uh, Central Works Theater. Oh, right. They, they are extended. They extended, yes. Yeah, they extended. And uh, Kari Moy, he was very happy to post that up. He's one of the mm-hmm. featured actors there. So that'll be going on for another weekend. That'll be uh, June the 14th, 15th, 16th, and 17th. Right. Ooh, excuse me. Um, of course, the Musical Cafe uh, 2018 showcase we had. I had. Um, mm, that's this weekend. Yeah, that's right. I had uh, Joel Knopf. On uh, our last contestant on oh. contestant, <laughs> yes, <laughs> our last person on the yay, mm-hmm. and he is a, uh, a playwright who um, who has a piece there. Yes. Uh, his piece is the last ibex, but there are mm. three others: Finding Medusa, The Oregon Trail Pages, and Infinite. Um, and their last night is tomorrow, so it, yesterday and today and tomorrow. Mm-hmm. Um, and of course, playground. Uh, which with the uh, scapegoat and bright shining sea still in repertory through June 17th. Yep. I'm also going to be performing uh, this Wednesday. I will be performing at um, at the Plight Deck here in Oakland. Right with on. Stage Bridge. Stage uh-huh. Bridge does a playwriting uh, mm-hmm. thing, and so this is mm-hmm. a chance for those um, new playwrights to get their stuff up with you know professional actors. So um, I don't really know more about it than that, but it's. It's going to happen on Wednesday. <laughs> right on. Don, uh, what, what do you have going on? Well, um, Monday night I'm going to be doing a table read at Play Cafe mm-hmm. called Drapermania. Me too. You're going to do it too? Yes. Uh, that's right. Yes, right. <laughs> I remember. I remember yeah. your name being on there. Yeah. Small We're going to be together again. Small world, huh? Yeah. Right I didn't on. know if that was open to the public, so I didn't mention yeah, it. Yeah, well, it's a, it, it, generally it's an invited Right, group it's invited. There, but, okay. But, uh, yeah, it, it's Call open to anybody who, who, who can hear about it. Mm-hmm. But I'll be playing the doctor who, who claimed that uh, uh, the slaves, slaves who ran, right. a, ran, away, mm-hmm. uh, ran away because of a mental illness. Oh, I see. Hmm. <laughs> so I'm, I'm the doctor who... Who made that claim? Sure. <laughs> Anything else? And then uh, it got uh, short-lived. Okay. As, as I mentioned, I'll be I'll be playing right. As of now, I'll be playing in in acting in two plays in round two, which okay. is the the week of the twenty first, twenty second, twenty third. And I think I'm involved in that too, right? Is no, no, you're, you're you're doing. Uh, it's a similar type of a thing that you're yes. doing. Yes. But that's for Playwright Center. It's called the. Um, uh, the playoffs. Okay. Ah. But and, but in uh, short lived in round three, I'll be directing a play about two guys on a Bart train. Mm-hmm. Nice. And but that's just so far. There, mm-hmm. There's a total of eight weeks. Yeah. So, right. so, and I have, and, and I'm just hearing about week two people. So right. Anyway, so but the thing we're involved in. Yes. I'm produce. I'm co-producing the mm-hmm. for Playwright Center. Mm-hmm. Uh, we'll have uh, three preliminary. Rounds of audience judged uh, pl- short plays, mm-hmm. um, uh, where and the the 
plays that win mm-hmm. plus two others that we decide are good enough to be in it, yeah. mm-hmm. we'll, we'll have a full production done in November. Nice. Mm-hmm. Very, we'll, very nice. We'll audition mm-hmm. people to be in that one. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We invited people like Reg here to, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> to, yeah. to be in this. That's right. Use me. To and be you in know. the read, readings. <laughs> so, we're, yeah, we'll be and in so short-lived will be at Piano Fight, right? At Piano Fight. Yeah. And then at the end of July, I'm going to be doing a one-weekend-only show at, up at the Mormon Temple. Oh. Uh, about it's called the ship Brooklyn. It's a new musical called mm-hmm. the ship Brooklyn, about the ship that brought uh, the Mormon pioneers mm-hmm. from New York around South America yeah. into San Francisco, yeah. who settled the Bay Area. Right. They were the ones who actually settled the Bay Area. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So that'll be at the temple or at the it'll, visitor it'll, center. It'll be in the visit. No, it'll be in the auditorium there oh, okay. by the temple. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And that, that's at the end. Because I was like, wait a minute, if it's in the temple, then it's no, not it's open it. to the public. Well the, well, the temple's not open right now for about another year and a half. Oh, anyway, I saw it, that it's there being, was some work being yeah, done. Yeah, it's being uh, remodeled. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. All right. Did you have a good time, Don? Of course. Right on. Great. Yeah. All right. Well, let's close it up. You can find the Yay on the Apple Podcast app on all iPhones and iPads. You can also find the Yay on iTunes if you're using a desktop or a laptop. Just click on iTunes, click on Store, use the search engine on the upper right-hand side and search for the Yay, you can find us. If you're an Android user, download the SoundCloud app or just go on SoundCloud.com and search for the Yay. The Yay was created by theater people for theater people. If you have a show you want to advertise or if you just want to advertise yourself, let us know, hit us up on Facebook, and we will take it from there. And And we we got to find a better sign-off. And we are out. (laughs) 